0: good morning everybody well good morning I'm uh, Joe McCrillis and uh, stop that (laughs) Uh, one of the pastors here at Crossroads and I'm part of the communications team Uh, I also get to work with the production team so you're like I've never seen your face before sometimes that's because I'm up there with those hardworking people trying to get the sound and the media and the video stuff um, Working so that both people here, or if you're online watching from home, so that you can be a part of the service wherever you're at. And no matter what your um, feelings are related to the current health issues, that Jesus can be with you, that we can be together. That's our heart. Um, So I'm so glad that you're here with us today, whether that's online or here in person, we consider that together. Can you consider that together? Okay. Okay. Um, I, we're, we're in a series right now called the Christians, the Christian Constitution. I'm, I'm loving it. I, I love because, um, while I'm not super history nerd, I do love things about our country that talk about who we are. Don't you think it's important to know who we are and what are the things that guide who we are? Part of it's how we should act and all of those things. And so we've talked about, you know, is it possible that there's a Christian constitution that would be different than our country's constitution? Because sometimes we, the people who follow hard after Jesus, do things differently than we, the people who are Americans. Because Americans and Christians is not synonymous. We like to believe that because our country is free and because our country was founded on some Christian principles that it's a Christian country. But no countries can go to heaven. Countries cannot have a faith. People have faith. People have beliefs. Countries can't have a belief like that. One of the things I'm loving about this series is it tells us this is what it looks like if you follow the Christian Constitution. It's in Galatians. We've been talking about it every week. We will talk about it every week. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. I've got a pear tree in my backyard. It would be weird if it grew cranberries. I don't even know if cranberries grow on trees. (laughs) But if bananas showed up next year, I would go, this is crazy. This is bananas, right? It grows pears every year. Every year it grows pears. And they're higher and higher and harder to get to, but they're pears. The deers in the back love it because they just come and eat them all. But he says here, it says the Holy Spirit. So if you are filled with God's Spirit, if you follow Jesus, you know him. He knows you. This is what it looks like to be a tree, to be in the Christian constitution. It says you will be filled with these things. It produces this kind of fruit in our life. Love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They should have left the last one off. That's crazy. Who has self-control? I don't have self-control after like 10 o'clock sometimes and I'm eating snacks. I should not be. You're like, we agree. Amen, preacher. I'm working on it, though. I'm working on it. I'm asking him for self-control. I'm trying to make better choices in my life. But if having ice cream late is my biggest flaw, I'll be all right. (laughs) I may not be all right for my whole life that he planned for me, but I'm going to make it somewhere. It says there's no law against these things. So if you walked up to me, you should see love and joy, peace and patience, goodness, kindness, kindness. Gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Self-control. This message is not about self-control. But I'm going to tell you right now, you actually have the capacity to tell your emotions to be quiet. Because sometimes we believe that our emotions have control of us. But this says that God gives us the spirit, the power of self-control. We can shut down all the rage, all the anger, all the stuff that we sometimes feel, and he goes, You can stop that. You can make a choice. It doesn't have you, you have it. Who wants to live lives like that? Who wants to be friends with people like that? Who wants to be married to people like that? I do. When you're out of control, it never ends well, it just never does. Somebody tells you, hey, i got a story to tell you. The other day I was out of control. You know where this is going. Not a good place, right? But it happens far too often, and it's very painful. People whose lives are filled with these things, they're living those because they follow the Christian constitution. See, the Declaration of Independence is great. It declares that it's self-evident. It's obvious to everybody, most people, some people, that all men are created equal. It should be self-evident to the world. It should be obvious that we follow the Christian Constitution. Somebody should be able to walk up and go, pear tree, banana tree, whatever it is. They should go, that's obvious because we produce that fruit and it's it displayed for everybody. But if they walk up and they go, mm, what's, what's wrong with the tree? If you have a fruit tree and it produces no fruit, it's not a fruit tree. It's just work in the fall. Leaves to rake up for the kids to jump in and you to break them up again. If you're new to the Christian Constitution or could use a good reminder, it's found in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. That's where he started to go like, hey, guys, this is who we are. This is what it looks like to follow my Father. It gives us our framework for living. The great part about the Christian Constitution is that there's benefits Everybody likes benefits, right? It's like, I was looking for a job, but I want a job with benefits. Well, if you want to follow God, there's benefits. There's costs too. But there's benefits. We're going to talk about them. I'm going to go through them real quick. This is the, the synopsis of Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus sat down and talked to him for a long time. I'm not going to talk as long. And he said, we're blessed when we're living the Christian Constitution, which looks like this. If you're poor and you realize your need for him, That can be poor in spirit. That's the words that it uses there. It doesn't necessarily mean that your pockets are empty, but he goes, that's fine too. He goes, no matter your wealth, whether it's if you're spiritually impoverished or you're financially impoverished, he goes, guess what? My kingdom is for you. What he's saying there is the doors are open for all. No matter where you're at, I invite you. No matter your status, I invite you. He goes, It doesn't matter how much you have in your bank account. It matters that you realize that we're all spiritually poor without him. Every one of us. And it says, when we mourn, he will comfort us. And if we're willing to be humble, he provides all we need. I like that. But that means I can't go, I did it all. I go, he did it all. And I'm good with that, right? because I'm looking for the result, and I don't care how I get there. So I want to be humble and go, I have nothing without you. This one's great. This one's perfect in our season. It says, those who hunger and thirst for justice, you want justice? He says, I'll take care of things. It does not say, you take care of things. He says, let me at it. Watch me go. I made up justice. Justice comes from me. I don't need you to be the deliverers of all justice. If you're looking for justice, he says, I'll provide it. Follow me. He says, and if you can be merciful, if you can be merciful, which means you don't give somebody what they deserve, he says, I'll show you mercy. Ooh, I don't want to get what I deserve because I've not always been a good boy. Am I the only one? Don't raise your hands. They'll see it. They record that stuff. (laughs) But he says, if you're willing to not dish out everybody else's punishment because they deserve it, he goes, guess what? I won't dish out yours. I'll show you mercy. I'm liking this already. That one there is probably enough for me because I don't like getting the things I deserve sometimes because what I deserve... Is not good when you're not good when you've made mistakes you deserve the punishment that goes with it i don't want those who likes consequences not me he says if we can have pure hearts you will see god you will know him you will he says it show he shows himself to us you'll have god evident in your life people go like oh that person follows jesus i can tell because they reflect him very well they know what he looks like they act like he does he says, if we will work for peace, for we'll be peacemakers, he says he'll call you his children. You know what that means? He goes, I make peace. My kids make peace too. I want to be a peacemaker. The last one, whew, why you got to add the last one all the time? He always throws this stuff in at the end that you're like, huh? He says, we're persecuted for doing the right thing. Like, why does that have to be the collection? Why can we just not have that at all? He says, but sometimes you can get persecuted for doing the right thing. He goes, guess what? My kingdom is available for you, too. He goes, these are are people who follow the Christian constitution. Sometimes bad things happen to them because they did the right thing. But they were willing to do the right thing. What does it mean to be a member of God's kingdom? It means we live our lives by his constitution, and he calls us members of his kingdom, not the world's kingdom. Whose kingdom do we want to belong to? You get a choice. So many of us are like, I, I'm losing all my choices. You have a choice. The U.S. Constitution, it has 27 amendments. Did you know that? Do you know them all? I don't. I don't. But, I, but what it means is they started with something good, and they're like, oh, we forgot a lot of stuff. Or we couldn't get to that all on the first thing. We got to add some more things. Does that make sense? An amendment? You know, we're just going to do an update to this, right? Did you know that Jesus came and brought some amendments? Because they'd been following the law, the thing that God gave them, and he goes, I got a little amendment for that. I know you guys have been doing it this way for a long time. Could I make a small amendment? Today we're going to talk about one of those amendments where Jesus said, I need to give you an update to how that really goes and what that really looks like when you're living the Christian Constitution, when you're following Jesus. He goes, maybe it's different for other people. He goes, but for my people, I need you to see this amendment. In chapter 5 of Matthew, um, Jesus is talking to them, and he says, you've heard it said long ago, you shouldn't murder people. And they're like, we know. It's number three or whatever number it is in the, the Ten Commandments, right? You shall not murder. I think it's like six or seven. It should be pretty close to the top, but he starts with other important ones. He goes, you've heard it said long ago, don't murder anybody. Because murderers will be subject to judgment, right? But I tell you, anybody who's angry, he just, he's like, oh, you don't even have to do it. You just have to feel it. This is the amendment update. It's not about your actions as much as your feelings. He says, we're going to take it out from there and we're going to go right in here. He goes, if you're going to be angry with your brother, your sister, and brother or sister is not necessarily a physical family member, it means somebody close to you. You're going to be angry with your brother and your sister, you'll be subject to judgment. And anybody who says to their, their brother or sister, Raka, they're angry, they're so mad. He goes, you're going to have to answer for that. So he puts this thing, therefore, Anytime you go, what is it there for? It's there for you to pay attention. <laughs> I got loads of these, sorry. He says, therefore, if you're, you're doing the good thing, you're wearing your Christian Constitution shirt this day, you made it to church on Sunday He goes, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and you remember that you've got something against your brother or sister or they've got something against you, he goes, stop, drop and roll right out of here. Go and find them and make it right. He says, I don't want your offering. I want your hearts to be right. He says, I don't need your money. I don't need your songs. I need your heart. He wants something different. He's going deeper. This amendment says, hey, it is not about what it looks like from the outside. Because you guys have gotten really good at making it look right, but it's filthy inside. He says, so leave your gift there. He goes, first go, be reconciled to them, then come back. Offer your gift. Do the things you're supposed to do. The next one says, settle matters quickly. With your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you're still on the way together. But it's not as fun as holding the grudge, right? Like, I'm mad. I'm offended that they would do that or say that it's their fault. They're mad at me. I'm mad at you. You don't get offended at me. I'm offended first. And we hold on to it. He goes, settle that stuff quickly while you're still on the way with them. And did you notice it says your adversary here, but before it was your brother and your sister? Your brother and sister turned into your adversary because of choices you made along the way. He said, it's not going to end good for you. You'll end up paying all that. Penalties are not good. Settle it quickly. The way to prevent anger from setting into your heart is by quickly settling your issues with others. That's what we're going to talk about today. Anger, dealing with offenses. Jesus said, dealing with your anger, he goes, it's it's so important, it's dealing with murder. He goes, whatever you think is the worst, he goes, it's that. Your heart and the condition of your heart matters so much. I'm going to borrow a little section from a message from a guy I heard, which Pastor Crystal shared with me, and I really enjoyed it. His name's Steve Furtick, and uh, he preached a great message on a a few of these same verses. And he really took the point of anger, and he, he brought out a few things. These are the three things I want to share with you. He says, the enemy's agenda in your life is what? Destruction. There's a verse in the Bible that says he came to kill, steal, and destroy you. Do you know we all have an enemy? Not our brother and our sister. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy you and all the good things you have, which come from God. Because if he can't get God, he wants to get God's kids. And he wants to steal from them, he wants to kill them, and he wants to destroy them, because he's a pouty baby. He's like, I can't get you, I'm going to get them. God gives the good things. He says all good gifts come from the Father above. But the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. How does he do this? What is his strategy? He wants to divide us. His strategy is division. That's how he's going to accomplish destroying your life. By dividing you from other people. By dividing you from God. And the tactic that he uses is Offense. It's the method he used to kill our relationships. I brought a fence today, it's right over here. (laughs) I call it O-Fence. They make these fences to destroy, to kill, to steal. I'm gonna just sit over here for a second actually. Mom, dad, can you come up for a second? I know you rarely call your mom and dad on stage. You're in trouble. This is my parents, Bill and Alana. I'm pretty proud of them. Come, on. Come over here. Stand right next to each other right there. When you marry people, when you do the ceremony, it says what God joined together, let no man separate. Let nobody tear it apart, right? And the enemy would love to just do this. You guys are so nice. Just stand right over here. If You could just be right here. And you'd love to just... Slide a little offense right in the middle of your relationship. <laughs> he would love to just divide you. And maybe it's because you didn't take the trash out. Or maybe you said something you shouldn't have said. Maybe you did something you shouldn't have done. You guys can fill these out, right? You know the, all the what's, right? And if you don't know, ask somebody. They'll tell you. He's trying to bring a relationship together. The enemy is trying to separate it. Now you have a choice. You can choose to go, I don't like this fence in my life. I'm going to get rid of it. And you can choose to come back together. I'm proud of these two. They haven't done everything perfect in life. They would say that. But 46 years together is a big deal. That's a lot of tearing down offenses. That's choosing to settle things quickly for a long time. Most of their friends, when we were growing up, they are still not together. We would go over and they would play bridge or some boring game that we didn't care about, right? <laughs> and there was lots of couples, and, and unfortunately over the years, whether it was offenses or something, got in the middle of almost all of those couples. I'm proud of my mom and dad for choosing to love each other and to love Jesus and keep him in the center of their life. And it's a good example for me. So one of the things I'm most proud about is my marriage and how well it's doing and how we're attempting to raise good children. But it comes from somebody showing you how to do it and leading the way. Thank you guys, I love you. You guys don't have to stand up here the whole time. But there's lots of offenses you can have in your life. You can pick it up at any time too. You're like, hey, remember that time when my dad told me I needed to rake the leaves and I was like... I don't feel like raking the leaves. And so he disconnected the battery in my car so I couldn't go anywhere. Like, I'm offended at you. And he could be on the other side and go, yeah, I'm offended at you. You should have done what I told you when I told you. Maybe I'll fix your car later. Or maybe you put a fence up in your life because you're like, I don't agree with your political stance or I don't agree with your whatever. Fill in the blank. It doesn't have to be that kind of relationship. Or maybe you're like this. You guys get to be the church because you're the church. The church has hurt me. The church has hurt me. I don't want anything to do with the church anymore. I'm putting my fence up because I got hurt one time when I was 10 and they were mean to me or my mom or something. So I offended at the church. You stay over there. Or maybe they put the fence up and say, God, you haven't answered my prayer. You haven't done what I wanted you to do when I wanted you to do it. God, you're on your side. I'm offended at God. I'm angry with him because he's supposed to be working for me. He's supposed to do things on my time. And he's not been showing up lately. I'm so offended. I got my fence. It goes where I go. I put him up all the time. The problem with these fences, we think that they hold out hurt, but they hold it in. They think they hold out pain, but it holds it in. We walk around with that hurt and that pain because we can't get rid of it. We've, we've blocked it in. We got fences all around us, because I'm angry with them, and I'm angry with them, I'm angry with God, I'm angry with the church, I'm angry with the government, I'm angry with those people, I'm angry with them. Jeez, I'm getting tired of being angry. I feel like these fences are blocking me in. You have to choose sometimes to settle it quickly and get rid of your fence. Anger is a prison, and it only hurts you. Anger is a prison, and it only hurts you. That's why he says, settle these matters quickly because he came to set us free from chains not to see us live in prisons. He says, I came to set the captives free and he knows that anger will just imprison you to the pain and the hurt of the past. And you'll end up paying penalties and having problems that you don't need to. He says, just let it go. No, not like the Disney song but just get rid of it. He says, kick down that fence like a windstorm. Just get rid of it. It's going to hurt you. He goes, you're going to have to choose to settle offenses. Let me tell you what settling offenses looks like. Sometimes you go, I don't agree. And you let it go. And you choose not to be angry and hurt and bitter and all the things that offenses do. He says we're supposed to love our neighbor, not keep them on all the other sides. You can have a fence in your yard. Don't go tear it down today. I'm, but I'm saying, you can't love your neighbor like this. And you can't love your neighbor like that. You have to choose. Loving your neighbor is, is everybody. You have to be willing to get rid of this and to go, I'm, I need to love you, and I need to forgive you, or I need forgiveness. And letting go of offense. Can I tell you one of the best times? That was one of the worst times when I just couldn't let go of offense because somebody else was offended. Did you know you could do that? Somebody else is offended, so you get offended. I had, and it's the worst place. I was at Bible college where all you do is focus about Jesus all day, sing kumbaya or whatever they think. I was in a class called Preaching Practicum. You actually had to practice preaching in front of a bunch of students and some professors. Man, I just delivered a killer message. How did I know? I'm like, she's crying and she's crying and they're amening. I was like, finally, I'm figuring this out. I was like, for sure, I got an A. The comment from my teacher in the back was, uh, I couldn't pay attention to you. Your shirt is untucked. You look like an unmade bed. He went on to explain better, like, hey, it just takes one person in the audience to be offended because you didn't tuck your shirt in, and then they can turn you off. And he goes, that's what I'm trying to tell you. I haven't learned much, but I think... (laughs) (laughs) But I do think the times have changed in like 25 years, that this is more acceptable. They actually have shirt brands that are made to be untucked and things like that. But he was saying in traditional church, like, you got to dress to impress. you got to be ready so that that's not a barrier for anybody to hear you. But what I heard was, you can't hear from God because you got offended, buddy. Jesus was here today. You just missed it. So I went back to my room, and I grabbed a guitar, and I sat with my friends and like, my teacher's a jerk. He's such a jerk. What a jerk. Like, this guy's supposed to be hearing from God and teaching us, but he's just a jerk. Because I was so offended you can call a couple pastor friends of mine who are roommates, they will tell you that I sang a song similar to that, and I let at least 10 people know how offended I was that he was offended and a jerk. That's how offense works. You choose to be offended for all kinds of stupid reasons, and then you invite people to your fence party, You're like, hey, I got this sweet fence over here. It's good on this side. And let me tell you about those fools over there. They're the worst. Come join my side. Get on my fence. Come pick up. You got a fence too? We'll just extend it. It'll be great. We can all be offended. That's what I was doing. I was trying to build a bunch of people who would get another fence. So let's just get a fence chain going because this guy's a jerk and let's keep him on that side. Because I'm mad, I'm angry that he said something that I disagreed with. There was probably some truth into what he said, and I think I pulled those nuggets out a few years later. Maybe ten years later, I don't know. That's how anger works. It holds on to you for so long for such stupid things. If you think about most of the reasons we're angry with people, Really? You don't think this is something we could settle? In fact, when you go back to that thing in Matthew, he goes, hey, you're with them. Like, you're on the way to court. He goes, just settle it then. Like, just get it over with. Figure it out. I'm sure you can come to some kind of compromise. Yes, I won't call you a jerk anymore, and you won't make fun of my shirt. Deal. Or I won't say the things that I said that were hurtful. And will you forgive me? Sometimes that's the settlement. Because sometimes there's more blame on my side than I realize. Probably not you guys. It really is those other people on the side of the fence. But every once in a while, it's my fault. And I'm angry at them because of what I did. Anger's a poison. Stephen said this one thing that really stuck out to me. He says, Nobody can hurt you like somebody you've given your heart to. So so actually, the people we're closest with, we're, we're quicker to put up those fences with. I'm not talking to you. Who knows for how long? I'm on my side. Stay on your side. I'm offended. Because our hearts are more open to the pain that comes from life. And the people closest to us have more opportunities than others to accidentally hurt us, and sometimes intentionally hurt us. I read a great book one time called The Wounded Healer by Henry Nowen. He said in it, he said, hurting people hurt people. You're like, that's just an alliteration or whatever you want to call it. But it's true. You go next to a wounded animal, what do they say? Don't go next to a wounded animal because they're likely to lash out and hurt you because they're just afraid and hurting. People are just like that. Sometimes you get hurt, not because they mean to hurt you, but because they're already hurting and they just take it out on you because you're closer. What do we have to choose to do? Carry my offense around. I'm offended. You're on the other side. No, you got to choose to go, I'm not going to let that hurt me because I understand what that is. That's not their heart for me, even though that's what they said. I'm going to choose to forgive them, and I'm settling it quickly. Say, hey, I know you said that. that, that felt, I, I felt hurt by that. But let me tell you this. I'm for you. I'm with you. I'm not against you. How can I help you? How can I support you? This is a painful process. I've had to have conversations with my wife when we're figuring these things out. And I was like, hey, don't be mad at me. I'm for you. I'm on your side. I'm here with you. I'm on team you. I'm on team Andy. Whoever you're upset with, like, we could deal with that. But we don't need to spread it around here. She's had to help me the same thing. Like, she's like, hey, buddy, I'm on your team. I'm not mad at you. Don't be mad at me for stuff that's not even about us. We have to choose to tear down the fences. And she's helped me to say, you know what? You should probably call them. You should probably go talk to them. They probably didn't mean what you heard. Did you know that somebody can say something and you can hear something totally different? It happens all the time. My friend Rob helps me a lot. He goes, "Uh, There's a good thing to end with, like a clarifying question. I think I heard you say this. Is that what I heard you say? What did you mean? Give them a chance to explain themselves instead of walking away like, ooh, I'm bringing out the big fence today. It's going up as high as they can build them because I can't believe they said that. Don't they know how much I care? Don't they know? It's like, that's not even what they meant. You're mad at somebody for something they didn't mean to say. Or they have a different dictionary than you. It doesn't mean the same to them. Have a friend from another country or continent. You have shared libraries and they don't mean the same thing. I was like, hey Rob, where are we meeting? At the car park. What is the car park? The parking lot? No, the garage. What? Use the words that I use. Mean the things that I mean. Say the things that I say. And that's funny if somebody's from a different country, but what if they're of a different gender? Because we mean different things all the time. She says, can you clean the kitchen? I'm like, I sure can. She goes, that's not cleaning the kitchen, that's straightening the kitchen. I was like, it looks clean to me. It's cleaner than it was. She's like, no, you're straightening, not cleaning. I was like, well, I've got a fence here for that. Can I tell you this is not new? Maybe you're new to the Bible, or maybe you've never read the Bible. Let's just start at the beginning. Like, you don't have to go to the middle of the book, the end of the book, or whatever. Just start at the beginning. Adam and Eve, the first two people. The first two. Come on. The enemy did not wait long. God had said, hey, don't. you can have everything you want. You can have whatever you need. Just leave that one tree alone over there. For you know it, this little crafty serpent says the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say that? So God didn't say that to her, but Adam had told her because she knew. So she, she was like, "Um, yeah, I think so. And he's like, so you can't eat from that tree? Is he trying to keep you from the good stuff? Because he goes on and tells her, he's like, God's just keeping all the good things that you really need. You would have life forever. And you would have it like, you already had life forever, girl. And before you know it, she's like, you know what? That apple looks pretty good. She gives it to him. She takes a bite. She's like, whoo, that is a smoking good apple. And you know what it says that she did? She handed it to Adam who was with her. Adam was there. Anybody who wants to just blame her just because the serpent started talking to her, Adam could have said, oh, excuse me. First of all, you're a snake. Girls don't like snakes. We all know that. Get away. Boys don't like snakes either. If you have pet snakes, I'm sorry. This is generalization, not a specific. But Adam didn't say, that's not what God said. And let's keep our, because God used to walk with them every day in the garden and the cool, they were friends, but instead he lets a little snake come in and say something that's not true. And you know what happened? Between Adam and Eve, who used to walk with God every day, sin started dividing them from God. It goes further. God's like, where are you at? Sorry, God's over here. Where are you at? And they're like, oh, we're just walking around hiding because we're embarrassed that we sinned so God said who told you that sorry who told you that Adam and Eve are here and Adam ends up saying that woman you gave me that you put here she ate that apple and gave it to me and I ate it too so Adam's like I'm putting a wall between me and her now he's like if you're going to be mad be mad at her I'm not pointing fingers, but she ate it first. And if it has to be technical, it has to be technical, but it's really her fault. That's how those things come in our lives. You're like, I don't want to take the blame. I don't want to take the heat for what I did, so I'm going to point it at them. And they're like, I, what did Eve say? How did she feel? Like, you really just out of me to God? You really just threw me under the bus and backed it up and forward and back and forward? You call me that woman? You know I'm not that woman. I thought I was your woman. (laughs) Not anymore. (laughs) Hands off, buddy, right? Yeah, that's how that works. Needless to say, they didn't have kids for years. (laughs) Till they were out of the garden and both hurting. Marriages and friendships get destroyed even though God says he doesn't want us to be separated. He doesn't want offense to live in our life. He doesn't want anger to rule us. But the choices that we make allow them in. He woos us. He will not kick your fence over. He will say, I love you. Please come back. Please don't be mad. I am here for you. He'll tell you all the good things I've made you. I have a plan for your life, a promise. You have purpose But you have to take your fence down. You have to take your fence down because I made a relationship to be us together, close, not between fences. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know who you got a fence up with. I'm not sure who you're angry with. I'm pretty sure if you got one, it's popped up in your head during our time talking because that's how God works. I'm pretty sure you can hear what he's saying. You need to tear down your offense. And you need to settle things quickly. Because that offense is keeping in all the pain and the hurt. And it's not letting all the healing come from God. People will ask me this question. It's a great question. But isn't it okay to be angry sometimes? Isn't it okay to be angry sometimes? Logical, right? Right? So, are you able to be filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness while you're angry? Oh, self control. You able to be filled with those while you're angry? I'm not. Maybe I don't multitask enough, but you can't be filled with anger and filled with those at the same time. Because you can't be very kind when you're angry, you can't be very good when you're angry. When you're angry, your self-control is at the floor, not very high. you filled with a lot of love when you're angry, maybe a lot of joy when you're angry. How about that peace? None, 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 none. So if you ask me, can I still be angry sometimes? I would say no. you got to settle it quickly. you got to get rid of it. you got to treat it like you drank some bad milk and it's expired. What do you do? Well, I could probably hold on to this for a while. You spit that out. I would spit that out. That's what anger is. You need to spit it out instead of some old, curdled, gross milk. See, you're not as hungry as you thought you were. You got a few more minutes. (laughs) Ephesians 4 says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. You know what he's saying? He's like, not even a day. You're like, but God, it just happened at 4 o'clock. Like, I need more time. He goes, no. The sun's coming down. Settle it now. You're like, what if the sun's already down? You know what I mean. That's what God would say. He goes, you know what I mean. He goes, settle it before you go to bed. Get that thing over with today. What is the next verse? Don't give the devil a foothold. I got children who've hung on to my feet before. You know how easy it is to walk around like this? It's fun for 30 seconds. After that, you want to shake it off. That's what he's telling you. Shake it off. No, not Taylor Swift songs. You guys are all into songs today. But you got to, it's like a ball and chain. He goes, don't carry that thing around. Get rid of it. In James, it says, my brother and sisters, take note of this. Everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Some of us are super quick to get angry, and we're super quick to take offenses. He says, slow. Down. Slow down. If you slow that and you listen better, which is the key, by the way, if you want to be slow to speak and you want to be slow to angry, you got to be quick to listen. I need to be quick to listen. The way to prevent anger from settling in your heart is by quickly settling your offenses with others. You know who one of the best examples of how to deal with offenses? Let me just move this out of the way. He was the one they nailed to a cross. He was the one they told lies about and said he was here to do all kinds of things that he didn't come to do. He was the one that they took in the middle of the night for their little circus court. the One where they had people make up lies against him and then they beat him They put a crown of thorns on him. They whipped him to the edge of his life. They spit on him. They made him carry his own cross. And then they nailed him to it. So Jesus was like, I can be angry until the sun goes down, right, God? That's not what he did. Talk about settling things quickly. He didn't even go like, after I'm dead, God, you and me will talk about this. I'm okay with them. I'm not mad now. He said, no, before I go, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't understand. I don't even know how you have that type of empathy to ask God to forgive them. You're like, I want you to make it better for me. I'm not thinking about them. I'm thinking about me. Talk about an example of somebody, a way to deal with anger. He says, I'm choosing to forgive. Right now. I'm not letting this sun go down on this anger even though I have the right to be angry. Did you know the amendment that Jesus came was to say you have the right to have no rights. He says, you have the right to say, put that right of being angry down. He goes, you don't want that. You feel like you have the right to pick it up and go, I'm angry and put my fence up. He goes, trust me, put it down. That's not the right you want. The right you want is to live happy and filled with my presence, knowing that I love you and that I'm for you and that I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you no matter what comes your way. That's his promise to you. His encouragement is to say, settle things quickly. Don't let anger run your life, tear your fences down. Can I pray for you? We're all in different places in the lives that we're going through. Some of you, whether you're watching online or you're here today, you may be just saying, hey, I just want to sign up for the Christian Constitution. I want to follow a God who loves me like that. That th- He'll say hard things and go, you know what? It's not just murder. It's how you feel about people. That's enough for me because I care about your heart. I want a God who loves me like that, who's got a whole bunch of things that are good for me. If that's you today, I want you to let somebody from our team know so we can join you in prayer and agree for your new start in your new life. And if you're here and you're like, I'm already part of the Christian Constitution sometimes, maybe your prayer is, God, I need to have your fruit of love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control and all the other ones in my life visible to others all the time. I've been building fences. I've been angry. People have hurt me. And I thought it was my right to carry that fence around. I thought it was my right to stay angry. But what I hear you saying is, no, let it go. Tear it down. I'm going to pray for you right now that God will give you the courage and the strength to settle things quickly. And even if you've had that fence for a long time, settling it quickly means you know what God wants you to do and are you willing to do it quickly now? God, you know the anger we've been holding on to the fences that we've built because we were so hurt or maybe they hurt us and, or we hurt them and then the way that they treated us made us hurt and now we've carried our fence around. Jesus, you know and you're pointing those things out to us. God, I pray that right now whether people are online or here, if, they, if they've got a fence with somebody that they need to settle quickly, that you would bring it to their attention right now. Their name would pop into their head. Their face would pop into their head. They would see and they would know who they need to either make it right with, or drop their their bitterness and their anger against God, would you do that right now? Right now, right where they're at, right where they're sitting, right where they're listening, right where they're driving, that they would hear your spirit in them going, I want you free. I want you free from fences. I don't want you chained up, and I don't want the hurt and pain to continue to linger. I want to help you heal. God, would you do that in our hearts, and would you do that in our lives right now? We want more of you, We don't want to follow a constitution that's from a country. We want to follow this Christian constitution that you have to set us free and help us to live healthy, long lives following you because you love us and you've been our example all along. Thank you for this, God. Help us to walk in it this week. In Jesus' name, amen.